Okay, today we're going to be in Genesis chapter 38. 37 was so crazy. Today we're going to go on a segue type side mission about Judah and his family. Uh, Judah leaves his family because Israel cannot be comforted and he's going to mourn the death of his son until he dies, which he said in the last chapter. So now Judah moves out and he's got his whole family and we're going to see some things happen with his family. Interesting things. And we're even going to see some weird character from Judah here. So let's get right into it on the Christian Boy Podcast. Our memory verse for the week comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. It says, And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. All right, let's get right into it. It says, At that time, Judah left his brothers and settled near Adolamite, named Hira. There Judah saw the daughter of a Canaanite named Shua. He took her as a wife and slept with her. She conceived and gave birth to a son, to a son. He named him Er. She conceived again and gave birth to a son. He named him Odon. She birthed to another son and named him Shelah. It was at Shezib that she gave birth to him. Judah got a wife for Er, his firstborn. Her name was Tamar. Now, Er, Judah's firstborn, was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, Sleep with your brother's wife, perform your duty as a brother-in-law, and produce offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So whenever he slept with his brother's wife, he released his semen on the ground so that he would not produce offspring for his brother. What he did was evil in the Lord's sight, so he put him to death also. Then Judah said to his daughter-in-law Tamar, Remain a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah grows up, for he thought he might die too, like his brothers. So Tamar went to live in her father's house. After a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. When Judah had finished mourning, and he and his friend, he and his friend Hira, the Adolamite, went up to Timnah to shear to sheep shearers. Tamar was told, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. She took off her widow's clothes, veiled her face, covered herself, and sat at the entrance of Enam, which is on the way to Timnah. For she saw that though Sheila had grown up, she had not been given him, given to him as a wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she covered her face. He went over to her and said, come, let me sleep with you for he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. She said, "What will you give me for sleeping? What will you give me for sleeping with me? I will send you a young goat from my flock," he replied. But she said, "Only if you leave something with me until you send it. What should I give you?" he asked. She answered, "Your signet ring, your cord, and your staff in your hand." So he gave them to her, slept with her, and she got pregnant by him. So she got up and left, then removed her veil and put on her widow's clothes, put her widow's clothes back on. When Judas sent the young goat by his friend, the Adolamite, in order to get back the items he had left with the woman, he could not find her. He asked the men of the place, where is the cult prostitute who was beside the road at Enam? There has been no cult prostitute here, they answered. 
So the Adolamite returned to Judah, saying, I could not find her. And furthermore, the men of the place said, There has been no caught prostitute here. Judah replied, Let her keep the items for herself. Otherwise, we will become a laughingstock. After all, I did send this young goat, but you couldn't find her. About three months later, Judah was told, Your daughter-in-law Tamar has been acting like a prostitute, and now she is pregnant. Bring her out, Judah said. Let her be burned to death. As she was being brought out, she sent her father-in-law this message. I am pregnant by the man whom these items belong. And she added, examined them. Whose signet ring, cord, and staff are these? Judah recognized them and said, she is in more in her right than I, since I did not give her my son, Shelah. And he did not know her intimately again. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twins in her room. As she was giving birth, one of them put on his hand, one of them put put out his hand, and the midwife took it and tied a scarlet thread around it, announcing this one came out first. But then he pulled back his hand, and his brother came out. Then she said, You have broken out first. So she named he was named Perez. Then his brother, who had the scarlet thread tied to his hand, came out and was named Zira. Okay. <clears throat> this is a weird chapter. It's a lot of weird traditions and things that go on in this chapter. So let's get right into looking at this chapter. So we see in verse 1, Judah leaves his, his uh, family. And I, I do you think, here's my question to you guys. Do you think it's because of the guilt of selling his brother into slavery and lying to his father, saying that his brother was dead? Or was it just because he wanted to move out and wanted his own space? I think it was because of the guilt, but that's beyond the point. Verse 2 through 5, Judah gets married and he has three sons by his wife, the daughter of Shua. He has Ur, Onan, and Shelah. Now in verse 6 through 7, Judah gets finds a wife for his son Ur, and her name is Tamar. Ur was evil in God's sight and died. Because of what happens later in this chapter, I have to assume that Ur was refusing to give Tamar a child or was just seeking his own pleasure. Or whatever the case, Ur was killed for being evil. And this is rare because we haven't heard of people being killed because of being evil in God's sight since Genesis chapter 19. It's been a lot of chapters. Almost 20, It's been 19 chapters since we heard someone killed in the sight of the Lord because they've been evil. It was in Genesis chapter 19, and I was in Genesis chapter 38. And now, so yeah, he gets killed. And in verse 8 through 10, we see Onan is now called upon to produce an heir for his brother. So in, in the traditions that they had, if your brother died before he gave had a child with his wife, the widow would now become the brother's wife so that he could produce an heir for his brother who died. Weird traditions. I wouldn't be able to handle that now. But yeah, that's what's happening here. So because Ur died before he had a child with Tamar, she was given to her his brother Onan so that he could produce an heir for him. But Onan knew that the child was not going to be his and was going to get the, the rights of Ur's uh, property and ownership. So instead, when he slept with her, he enjoyed the sexual pleasure and then, you know, he pulled out before before he ejaculated to prevent pregnancy. And God was displeased by that. So he was killed. 
So in verse 11, Judah is scared now. He's, he's Two of his sons have died and have been with this woman. So he convinces Tamar to go back to his mother's, their, her mother, before until she, she, Sheila grows up so that she can have him as a wife. But, you know, this is all a front because Judah is afraid. So now Judah wife's, Judah's wife dies, unfortunately, and he goes to shear his sheep in Timnah with his friend Hira, the Adullamite. Tamar hears about this and she makes a plan. It's something about these people in devising plans in Genesis that's crazy because it's like the 10th plan in like five chapters that we've heard of. So she dresses as a prostitute and attracts Judah to her. Judah sleeps is going to sleep with her, but Tamar needs promise of payment. And what does she do? She makes him leave his signet ring, staff, and cord. And he gives them to him because, you know, Sex makes a man drive crazy for some reason, and he just wants sexual pleasure and doesn't think about any consequences. He gives them to him because he believes that she's one of the prostitutes of the city, and he has sex with her. Now, we're not condemning him having sex considering that, why would you have sex with a prostitute in the first place when you can go back and get married to someone else? We don't, we don't uh, actually glorify what he's doing here. But anyway, regardless of that, he has sex with her, and he leaves. And now we see now we see that he gives it to her. He gives her what she needs. And what's funny is Judah's just like his father Israel. How do you not know who this woman is? Sure, she concealed her face, but you guys are in a private setting. This happened to Israel when he got married to Leah. He did not know who Leah was until he woke up in the morning and he realized he was tricked and did not have Rachel. But in this case, it's different. Tamar had no choice because she was supposed to have an heir to her first husband, Ur, and Judah was withholding Sheila from her. So now we see that the act works. She gets pregnant and she goes back home. Now, Judah being self-righteous here, well, Judah trying to try to pay her off, tries to find the prostitute and isn't too embarrassed to keep looking because he may become a laughingstock. That's when in verse 24 through 26, he's fine. He finds out about Tamara's pregnancy and he thinks that he thinks more highly of himself than he also thinks. And he's like, she should be burned. She should be killed. And Tamar, being a smart woman that she is, has a backup plan. She brings out the signet ring, staff in court and says, I'm pregnant by the man who these things belong to. And when Judah realizes that he's the one who impregnated her, he has no choice but to let her go because she was well within her right as a widow to have someone a part of the family give her an heir to her first husband's inheritance. Which is interesting. So Judah lets her go and he doesn't mess with her anymore. And then she gives birth to twins is what we see. So now we got to see, now what could have been done here? What is another way that this chapter could have gone if everybody did the right things? I'm talking about Judah, not Tamar. So first off, Onan could have done what was right. Well, Ur, first off, should have done what was right in God's eyes. To this day, we do not know what he did. I can assume that probably he was preventing pregnancy or something of that sort, considering his brother was not doing what was right in God's eyes by doing those actions. We can assume that it's somewhere there. So he was killed. He should have done what was right in God's eyes. Onan, the same way. He should have just did his duty as a brother to produce an heir for his brother. But instead, he only saw his own pleasure and tried to avoid responsibility. Now, Judah should have just kept his promise, gave Sheila to her when he became of age. 
but he was fearful that his son would be killed because he did not recognize the sins that Ur and Onan had done. So he was afraid that his son would just be killed because he was with the woman. He did not even consider the fact that the two other sons before Shelah was was lying were, were actually doing wrong. Or maybe he did not know the fact. But regardless, he lied to Tamar, causing her to have to conceal herself to get what she was rightfully deserved. Tamar is a victim of injustice, really. But she did not allow herself to be permanently victimized. See, what she did was she used her rights to obtain what she deserved. We also got to be like that. When we know we deserve something and we know we're well within our rights, we should exercise our rights. If I know I can drive on the road because I have my license, I should get on the road and start driving. If I get stopped by the police, I can say I have my, I have my license. You can't take me to jail. I'm a licensed driver and I was driving within the speed limit. So we should also exercise our rights when we have them and display our rights when we have them. Not afraid of doing what's justified or what is right because we know that we have our insurance policy which is God himself in our cases. We have our signet ring, our staff, and everything that we need when accusation comes. So when the day of accusation comes, we have our defense for our claims because we have acted righteously and well within the rights that we have. So be sure to exercise your rights like Tamar did. Not afraid to do what you, not afraid to go after what you have been promised, not afraid to pursue what you have been promised because if you're promised something, you shall receive it. And if anybody tries to take away what you have been promised, you have your insurance policy, which is God the Father himself. He gives you dominion on the earth because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world and they that dwell therein. So exercise your rights just as Tamar did. So when the day of accusation comes, there will be no witnesses against you. All right, God bless y'all. Let me know what you think about this episode. You can text me at 662-371-8877. Really interesting to see some of the traditions that uh, these ancient cultures have had. Like we would never do what they did back in that day now. So it's very interesting to see that. But God bless y'all. Have a nice day. And yeah, we're going to see you in Genesis chapter 39. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode. To stay in touch with the Christian Boy Podcast, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Christian Boy Podcast. You can also go to the Christian Boy Podcast website, christianboypodcast.com, and view this month's newsletter and sign up to receive notifications when the newest newsletter comes out. They come out once a month, every month on the 15th. So yeah, stay in touch with the Christian Boy Podcast, know what's going on. If you want to contact me, you can contact me at 662-371-8877 or you can email me at moshaakili at gmail.com. God bless you and have a great day.